Chapter Seven of Mrs. Bindle by Herbert Jenkins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Seven. Mrs. Bindle demands a holiday. One. I see they're starting summer camps. Mrs. Bindle looked up from reading the previous evening's paper. She was invariably twelve hours late with the world's news. Bindle continued his breakfast. He was too absorbed in Mrs. Bindle's method of serving dried haddock with bubble and squeak to evince much interest in alien things. "'That's right,' she continued after a pause. "'Don't you answer. Your ears are in your stomach. Pleasant companion you are. I might as well be on a desert island for all the company you are. If you wasn't such a damn good cook, Mrs. B., I might find time to say pretty things to you.' it was only in relation to her own cooking that bindle's conversational lapses passed without rebuke there are to be camps for men camps for women and family camps continued mrs bindle without raising her eyes from the paper before her personally myself i says put me among the gals the remark reached mrs bindle through a mouthful of haddock and bubble and squeak plus a fishbone you don't deserve to have a decent home the way you talk there were times when no answer however gentle was capable of turning aside mrs bindle's wrath on sunday mornings in particular she found the burden of bindle's transgressions weighed heavily upon her bindle sucked contentedly at a hollow tooth he was feeling generously inclined towards all humanity haddock bubble and squeak and his own philosophy enabled him to withstand the impact of mrs bindle's most vigorous offensive it's years since i had a holiday she continued complainingly it is mrs b agreed bindle drawing his pipe from his coat pocket and proceeding to charge it from a small oblong tin box we ain't exactly what you'd call an honeymoon couple you and me the war's over it is he agreed then why can't we have a holiday she demanded looking up aggressively from her paper now i asks you mrs b he said as he returned the tin box to his pocket can you see you and me in a bell tent or paddlin or playin ring a ring a roses and he proceeded to light his pipe with the blissful air of a man who knows that it is sunday and that the yellow ostrich will open its hospitable doors a few hours hence it says they're very comfortable mrs bindle continued her eyes still glued to the paper what is the tents you ought to ask ginge what a bell tent's like he'd sort of surprise you it's worse than a wife hotter than religion colder than the blue ribboner when it's hot it bakes you when it's cold it lets you freeze and when it's blowin ell and tinkers it oofs in and leaves you with nothing gone a blushin like a curate avin his first dip with the young women in the choir that's what a bell tent is mrs b in the army they calls em ell tents oh don't talk to me she snapped as she rose and proceeded to clear away the breakfast things during which she expressed the state of her feelings by the vigour with which she banged every utensil she handled as she did so bindle proceeded to explain and expound the salient characteristics of the army bell tent when you wants it to stand up he continued it comes down you bein underneath when you wants it to come down nothing on earth'll move it till you goes inside and have a look round and see what's the trouble then it comes on top of you it's a game that's what it is he added with conviction a game what nobody ain't going to win but the tent 
go on talking you're not hurting me said mrs bindle with indrawn lower lip as she brought down the teapot upon the dresser with a super bang i've heard ginge talk o' twins war women and the beer shortage but to ear im at his best you got to get him to talk about bell tents everyone else has a holiday except me mrs bindle was not to be diverted from her subject here am i slaving my fingers to the bone inchin and pinchin to keep you in comfort and i can't ave a holiday it's a shame that's what it is and it's all your fault she paused in the act of wiping out the inside of the frying-pan and stood before bindle like an accusing fury anger always sullied the purity of her diction well why don't you ave an holiday if you set your heart on it i ain't got nothing to say agin it he continued to puff contentedly at his pipe wondering what had become of the paper-boy bindle had become too inured to the lurid qualities of domesticity to allow them to perturb him how can i go alone you'd be safe enough you beast bindle was startled by the vindictiveness with which the words were uttered for a few minutes there was silence punctuated by mrs bindle's vigorous clearing away presently she passed over to the sink and turned on the tap nice thing for a married woman to go away alone she hurled at bindle over her shoulder amidst the rushing of water well take arty he suggested with the air of a man anxious to find a way out of a difficulty you're a dirty-minded beast was the retort and this sunday too oh naughty you never take me anywhere mrs bindle was not to be denied i took you to church once he said reminiscently why don't you take me out now she demanded ignoring his remark well he remarked as he dug into the bowl of his pipe with a matchstick when you caught a bus you don't go on a-runnin after it do you why don't you get a week off and take me away well i'll think about it bindle rose and picking up his hat left the room with the object of seeking the missing paper-boy the loneliness of her life was one of mrs bindle's stock grievances if she had been reminded of the chinese proverb that to have friends you must deserve friends she would have waxed scornful friends she seemed to think were a matter of luck like a goose in a raffle or a rich uncle it's little enough pleasure i get she would cry in moments of passionate protest to this bindle would sometimes reply that it's wantin a thing what makes you get it sometimes he would go on to elaborate the theory into the impossibility of avin a thing for supper and savin it for breakfast by this he meant to convey to mrs bindle that she was too set on post-mortem joys to get the full flavour of those of this world mrs bindle possessed the soul of a potential martyr if she found she were enjoying herself she would become convinced that somewhere associated with it must be sin with a capital s unless of course the enjoyment were directly connected with the chapel she was fully convinced that it was wrong to be happy laughter inspired her with distrust as laughter rose from carnal thoughts carnally expressed she fought with a relentless courage the old adam within herself inspired always by the thought that her reward would come in another and a better world her theology was that you must give up in this world all that your carnal nature cries out for and your reward in the next world will be a sort of perpetual jamboree where you will see the damned being boiled in oil or nipped with red-hot pincers by little devils with curly tails in this she had little to learn either from a dante or the spanish inquisition 
the biblical descriptions of heaven she accepted in all their literalness she expected golden streets and jewelled gates wings of ineffable whiteness and harps of an inspired sweetness the whole composed by an orchestra capable of playing without break or interval she insisted that the world was wicked just as she insisted that it was miserable she struggled hard to bring the light of salvation to bindle and she groaned in spirit at his obvious happiness knowing that to be happy was to be damned to her a soul was what a scalp is to the american indian she strove to collect them knowing that the believer who went to salvation with the greatest number of saved souls dangling at her girdle would be thrice welcome and thrice blessed in bindle's case however she had to fall back upon the wheat that fell upon stony ground with a cheerfulness that he made no effort to disguise bindle declined to be saved look here lizzie he would say cheerily two arps is quite enough for one family and as you and arty are sure of em you leave me alone one of mrs bindle's principal complaints against bindle was that he never took her out you could take me out fast enough once she would complain but where am i to take you cried bindle you don't like the pictures you won't go to the alls and i can't stand that smelly little chapel of yours listening to a cove what tells you how uncomfortable you're going to be when you're cold meat you could take me for a walk couldn't you demanded mrs bindle when i takes you round the houses you bully rags me because i cheeros my pals and if we passes a pub you makes pleasant little remarks about gin palaces tell you what it is mrs b he remarked on one occasion you ain't good company at least not in this world he added that's right go on mrs bindle would conclude why did you marry me there mrs b he would reply you have me beaten from the moment that mrs bindle read of the bishop of fulham's summer camps for tired workers she became obsessed by the idea of a holiday in a summer camp she was one of the first to apply for the literature that was advertised as distributed as free the evening paper that bindle brought home possessed a new interest for her anything about the summer camps she would ask interrupting bindle in his study of the cricket and racing news until at last he came to hate the very name of summer camps and all they implied that's the worst of religion he grumbled one night at the yellow ostrich it comes a button into your own life and then there ain't no peace i don't old with religion growled ginger i ain't got nothing to say against religion as religion bindle had remarked but i bars summer camps mrs bindle however was packing with all the care of a practised housewife she first devoted herself to the necessary cooking utensils she packed and unpacked half a dozen times a day always stowing away some article that a few minutes later she found she required her conversation at meal-times was devoted exclusively to what they should take with them she asked innumerable questions none of which bindle was able satisfactorily to answer to him the bucolic life was a closed book but he soon realized that a holiday at the surrey summer camp was inevitable what am i to do in a summer camp he mumbled one evening after dinner i can drive an horse if someone's leading it and i knows it's an n what lays the eggs and the cock what makes an ell of a row in the morning same as them old orers we used to have but barrin that i'm done that's right broke in mrs bindle try and spoil my pleasure it's little enough i get but what are we goin to do in the country persisted bindle with wrinkled forehead i don't like gardenin and 
pity you don't she snapped yes it's a pity he agreed still it saved me an ell of a lot of back aches but what are we going to do in a summer camp that's what i want to know you'll be getting fresh air and and you can watch the sunsets but the sun ain't going to set all day he persisted besides i can see the sunset from putney bridge and damn good sunsets too for them as likes em there ain't no need to go to a summer camp to see a sunset you can go on you're not hurting me mrs bindle drew in her lips and sat looking straight in front of her a grim figure of christian patience i can't milk a cow bindle continued disconsolately reviewing his limitations i can't catch chickens me with various veins in my legs i ates the smell of pigs and i ain't good at weedin gardens now i asks you mrs b what use am i at a summer camp i'll only be a sort of fly in the drippin you can enjoy yourself i suppose can't you she snapped but ow oh don't talk to me i'm sick and tired of your grumbling with your don't like this and your don't like that pity you haven't something to grumble about but i ain't there's many men would be glad to have a home like yours and chance it naughty cried bindle wagging an unbonitory finger at her if i stop it she cried jumping up and making a dash for the fire which she proceeded to poke into extinction meanwhile bindle had stopped it seizing the opportunity whilst mrs bindle was engaged with the fire to slip out to the yellow ostrich two looks a bit lonely don't it bindle gazed about him doubtfully what did you expect in the country snapped mrs bindle well a tram or a bus would make it look more home-like the bindles were standing on the down platform of boxton station surrounded by their luggage there was a japanese basket bursting to reveal its contents a large cardboard hat-box a small leather bag without a handle and tied round the middle with string to reinforce a dubious fastening there was a string bag blatantly confessing to its heterogeneous contents and a roll of blankets through the centre of which poked mrs bindle's second best umbrella with a travesty of a parrot's head for a handle there was a small deal box without a lid and marked tate's sugar and a frying pan done up in newspaper but still obviously a frying pan finally there was a small tin bath full to overflowing and covered by a faded maroon-coloured table cover that had seen better days bindle looked down ruefully at the litter of possessions that formed an oasis on a desert of platform i ain't afraid of anything happening here he remarked as he looked about him funny little old i calls it mrs bindle was obviously troubled she had been clearly told at the temporary offices of the committee of the summer camps for tired workers that a cart met the train by which she and bindle had travelled yet nowhere was there a sign of life vainly in her own mind she strove to associate bindle with the cause of their standing alone on a country railway platform surrounded by so uninviting a collection of luggage presently an old man was observed leaving the distant signal-box and hobbling slowly towards them when within a few yards of the bindles he halted and gazed doubtfully first at them then at the pile of their possessions finally he removed his cap of office as railway porter and scratched his head dubiously i missed em that time he said at length as he replaced his cap missed who inquired bindle the four forty replied the old man stepping aside to get a better view of the luggage got a talkin to young tom and clean forgotten 
it was clear that he regarded the episode in the light of a good joke yours he queried a moment later indicating with a jerk of his head the litter on the platform got it first time grandpa said bindle cheerfully we come to start a pawn shop in these parts he added the porter looked at bindle with a puzzled expression then his gaze wandered back to the luggage and finally on to mrs bindle we've come to join the summer camp she explained the summer camp repeated the man the summer camp then he suddenly broke into a breeze of chuckles he looked from mrs bindle to the luggage and from the luggage to bindle little gusts of throaty croaks eddying and flowing finally with a resounding smack he brought his hand down upon his fustian thigh well i'm danged he chuckled if that ain't a goodin i mun go on tell young tom and he turned preparatory to making off for the signal box bindle however by a swift movement barred his way if it's as funny as all that old sport what's the matter with tellin us all about it once more the old man stuttered off into a fugue of chuckles young tom'll laugh over this he will he gasped he'll split hisself i suppose they don't have much to amuse em said bindle patiently now then what's it all about he demanded wrong station spluttered the ancient then a moment later he added you'll be wantin west boxton camp's there three mile away there ain't another train stoppin here to-night he added mrs bindle looked at bindle her lips disappeared but she said nothing the arrangements had been entirely in her hands and it was she who had purchased the tickets how far did you say it was she demanded of the porter in a tone that seemed as if by magic to dry up the fountain of his mirth three mile mum he replied making a shuffling movement in the direction of where young tom stood beside his levers all unconscious of the splendid joke that had come to cheer his solitude mrs bindle however placed herself directly in his path grim and determined the man fell back a pace casting an appealing look at bindle where can we get a cart she demanded with the air of one who has taken an important decision the porter scratched his head through his cap and considered deeply then with a sudden flank movement and a muttered i'll ask young tom he shuffled off in the direction of the signal box bindle gazed dubiously at the pile of their possessions then at mrs bindle three miles he muttered you didn't ought to be trusted out with a young chap like me mrs b he said reproachfully that's enough bindle without another word she stalked resolutely along the platform in the direction of the signal box the old porter happening to glance over his shoulder saw her coming and broke into a shambling trot determined to obtain the moral support of young tom before another encounter drawing his pipe from his pocket bindle sank down upon the tin bath jumping up instantly conscious that something had given way beneath him with a crack suggestive of broken crockery receding himself upon the bundle of blankets he proceeded to smoke contentedly after all something would happen something always did twenty minutes elapsed before mrs bindle returned with the announcement that the signalman had telegraphed to west boxton for a cart well well said bindle philosophically it's turning out an happy day but i could do with a drink an hour later a cart rumbled its noisy way up to the station outside which stood the bindles and their luggage a business-like little boy scout slid off the tail you want to go to the camp he asked briskly well began bindle i can't say that i yes interrupted mrs bindle seeing in the boy scout her st george 
we got out at the wrong station she looked across at bindle as she spoke as if to indicate where lay the responsibility for the mistake all right said the friend of all the world we'll soon get you there and who might you be young fellow my lad inquired bindle i'm patrol leader smithers of the bear patrol was the response you don't say so said bindle well well it's live and learn ain't it now we'll get the luggage up said patrol leader smithers ow egg and falk must miss you remarked bindle as between them they hoisted up the tin bath but the lad was too intent upon the work on hand for persiflage a difficulty presented itself in how mrs bindle was to get into the cart her intense sensitiveness coupled with the knowledge that there would be four strange pairs of male eyes watching her constituted a serious obstacle young tom in whom was nothing of the spirit of jack cornwell and his friend the old porter made no effort to disguise the fact that they were determined to see the drama through to the last fade-out bindle's suggestion that he should oyster up mrs bindle had ignored and she flatly refused to climb the spokes of the wheel the step in front was nearly a yard from the ground and mrs bindle resented young tom's sandy leer it was patrol leader smithers who eventually solved the problem by suggesting a dandy chair to which mrs bindle reluctantly agreed accordingly bindle and the porter crossed arms and clasped one another's wrists mrs bindle took up a position with her back to the tail of the cart and the two sir walters bent down whilst patrol leader smithers turned his back and with great delicacy strove to engage the fixed eye of young tom but without success now when i says eve eve bindle admonished the porter gingerly mrs bindle sat down upon their crossed hands one two three eve cried bindle and they heaved there was a loud guffaw from young tom a stifled scream and mrs bindle was safely in the cart but on her back with the soles of her elastic sided boots pointing to heaven bindle had underestimated the thews of the porter right away cried patrol leader smithers feeling that prompt action alone could terminate so regrettable an incident and he and bindle clambered up into the cart where mrs bindle having gained control of her movements was angrily tucking her skirts about her the cart jerked forward and young tom and his colleague grinned their valedictions in their hearts the knowledge that they had just lived a crowded hour of glorious life the cart jolted its uneasy way along the dusty high road with bindle beside the driver mrs bindle sitting on the blankets as grim as destiny itself engaged in working up a case against bindle and the boy scout watchful and silent as behooves the leader of an enterprise bindle soon discovered that conversationally the carter was limited to the eye of agreement varied in moments of unwanted enthusiasm with an oh i at the end of half an hour's jolt squeak and crunch the cart turned into a lane overhung by giant elms where the sun-dried ruts were like miniature trenches better hold on counselled the lad as he made a clutch at the japanese basket which was in danger of going overboard it's a bit bumpy here fancy place in wet weather murmured bindle as he held on with both hands so this is the surrey summer camp for tired workers and he gazed about him curiously End of chapter seven read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com